everyone. Welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the Head of Content at B2B Marketing. And I'm joined today by Steve Kenish, who is our Propolis Hive expert for execution and campaigns. So for those who don't know, um, Propolis is our exclusive community for B2B marketers to share insights, learn from industry experts such as Steve, um, access our very best technical content uh, and even advisory services. So we'll leave a link in the description if you want to learn a bit more about that. Um, but Steve, thank you very much for joining me. First things first, um, how are you and how did you find Martechopia? Oh, well, good to see you, David. I'm well, thank you. Very well indeed. And um, uh, Martechopia, brilliant, actually, in a word. Uh, and he has to be careful saying that because I was a speaker, uh, but not so much my sessions, but the the other sessions that were going on. I thought there was a really, really positive mix of, of, of conversations around the technology, of course, for Martechopia, but actually about the application of it. So rather than let's just buy endless amounts of technology. Um, it's what, and particularly client brands were doing that was clever with the stuff they've got was really heartening that, uh, you know, you're seeing that marriage of art and science, which I always refer to with marketing and, and modern marketing is you need those two together, the technology and the, the human together. So yeah, really positive. And frankly, just nice to be back at live events with actual real human beings. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, speaking of events, Ignite USA is uh, is right around the corner. So, is there anything in particular you're actually looking forward to with with that event as the Hive expert for execution and campaigns? Yeah, again, I mean, uh, having looked at the agenda over the last few weeks, you've got days of really good content. Vendors are always great because they certainly in this day and age, they're not there to pitch their services; they're there to try and educate and enlighten the market on what's possible. Um, so I think that's always a good place to go and learn where the, the leading edge of, of technology and beyond is. Um, but but equally, back to my point with Martechopia, having client side speakers, so American Express, for example, I'm keen to hear from them what they're doing in B2B. When you're hearing it from the coalface of what they're dealing with on the back of the last two years where we've had so much disruption to hear where people uh, and brands are going and moving on from from a really difficult time, I think will be a brilliant event. Absolutely. And uh, for everyone listening, um, if Ignite USA is your thing, or perhaps you're UK based and you're looking forward to Ignite London, um, we'll leave links to both those in the description so you can you can check those out at your leisure. Um, but Steve, obviously, the main thing we're here to discuss today is the trend tracker. So um, for a very quick overview uh, for anyone who, do who doesn't know what the trend tracker is. Effectively, it's a, a big survey um, we run of both client-side and agency-side marketers, um, and we present them with a list of several trends. We basically ask how focused they're going to be on it for the year ahead. So it covers things like you know, CX, um, ABM, sales enablement, personalization, uh, all, the, all the classic buzzwords, if you like. Um, hmm. And taking a look at the combined agency and client-side results, it looks like the top three trends this year were growth marketing, uh, CX and customer experience, um, sorry, customer success. So what do you think this says about marketing in, in 2022? Interesting, because there might be people already listening in, David, going growth marketing. I wonder what that means. So I think that's a really, uh, to your point of buzz phrases, is an emerging name, not necessarily an emerging discipline. But um, I've already had conversations with people in the last few weeks about defining that. So I think uh, and, and somebody candidly put it to me, it's like, well, surely all marketing's growth marketing, isn't it? But I think there is growing this initiative around um, results-focused marketing or, or changing into new areas. So I think actually, by the way, all three of these link quite well together. So 
over the last couple of years, again, there's been lots of highs and lows, but the focus on retention and keeping your customers has meant that customer success has come back up onto the radar. The disruption of the journey uh, and obviously a huge move towards digital has meant that you need to think about your CX because your experience will have changed, the sales process, the marketing process, and indeed when you've got a customer. So those two wed together. And maybe maybe the fact that we are in more austere times, that, that growth towards growth of growth marketing is actually let's focus our efforts on, on results-based marketing that's going to deliver. Um, and, you know, I've been in marketing, crikey, nearly a, crikey, nearly a quarter of a century, right? And, and we have all that t- time as an industry, we've not been good enough at talking the language of business. So the pressure on us is probably more now than ever. The CFO that doesn't want to hear about our latest initiative, they want to hear results because they talk in you know dollars and cents, not in acronyms and, and new frameworks and models. So I think perhaps that growth marketing is a response by marketing to say, well, look, let's be more accountable. Let's make sure rather than a cost center, we're actually a profit or an opportunity generator for the business, very much in the way that our friends in sales have always been. They're very, very accountable in sales and marketing. Perhaps we've been a bit woollier. So so maybe that one and being top of the tree is is a nod to that requirement. Do you think that that requirement for marketing to kind of demonstrate its its value to the business has really kind of come to the fore in the last two years or so? Because I think obviously, if you look really, really far back, you've got that kind of old world where there's salespeople picking up the phone and trying to contact people that way. Whereas nowadays you've got buyers kind of doing things on their own terms. And so do you think marketing's role, marketing's role, sorry, has become a lot more business focused over the last two years specifically? I, I think it's been on that journey, um, David, for a long time, as you say. So that, and it still exists that I'm sure people listening into can relate to it, whether they're in a marketing function or sales or somewhere else in the business, that there is that squabbling or that divide um, sales and marketing alignment is still an important area. But yeah, I would say that the, the two years of the, the pandemic or the start of the pandemic through to where we are now has just heightened the need for marketing and sales to be closer because every dollar counts. So I think the the element on top of that is that the sales journeys change. So I think Challenger Sale, um, that book and that initiative from a few years ago talked about 50 56 57 of the sales journey being complete before the salesperson's involved digital transformation and the pandemic of the last two years have probably pushed that percentage even higher so what does that mean it means sales and marketing are way tighter together than ever so therefore the symbiotic nature of the two is is more possible but equally marketing have therefore spent more time with salespeople who are used to having to be measured you know, a salesperson is as good as their last quarter's results. So maybe there's just a natural catch up of marketing being, to your point, much more centered around business and business results than perhaps slightly more aloof or, or woolly stats in the eyes of that CFO who's just trying to cut costs. Yeah, of course. And back to the, uh, you know, the trend tracker specifically, um, personalization is something that dropped down the rankings by a whole eight places, which um, looking at the trend tracker year on year over the last sort of four years or so, that's, that's quite a big jump. Um, so what, you know, why do you think that is? Because from my point of view, I think a lot of the top ranking trends, so CX, customer success, sales enablement, 
all that kind of stuff. It requires a lot of personalization anyway. So do you think that it's perhaps that people just don't see personalization as a separate topic anymore and it's just kind of assumed? I hope so. I mean, the so I had this conversation with somebody the other day. There's still a, a part of part of the industry that thinks personalization means dear Steve in an email. I know my name. That's not necessarily personalization to me. Um, so I, I, I'd like to think, to, to your kind of um, hypothesis, that because we are far more au fait with it, because we've also got technology that makes it easier, we've got data flow through businesses that means it's more possible to be personalized. And, you know, Dear Steve can be replaced with very relevant imagery, very, very relevant messaging or behavioral insights on how I've done something with an organization. That's personalization. So, I, yeah, I'd like to think it's more embedded as a culture. Um, but I'm not fully sold. I, I think I am slightly nervous still that perhaps it's just fallen down the the list because, you know, the average marketing function is too busy with too many other things that it might have been neglected a bit. Absolutely. And that last bit you said there will come on to um, slightly later. Um, but one thing I did want to discuss before we get to that is digital events, because that's another trend that's seen a, a huge drop off. Um, and yet, funnily enough, you know, over the last sort of two years or so, um, they just seem to have gone up in, in quantity in marketers' uh, event strategies. So why do you think they've gone down on marketers' priorities lists now? Um, I think they've gone down because they've gone up so much in the last two years. So let's rewind. Uh, and we work, so I work in an agency alongside my role at Propolis. And back in March, uh, April 2020 was that, geez, the rug's been pulled. We were so hung up on um, traditional events so face to face whether it was their own event or a third party trade so exhibition that sort of thing that digital's been the way they've gone um, and not just digital events but a broader mix of digital marketing and sales effort that inevitably meant you know probably alongside the word pivot david probably the most used word of 2020 was webinar in our world right you, you know everyone turns to the webinar so that growth of digital events naturally happened. And I think perhaps there's just a reaction this year, maybe even a hope that we don't need to just use webinars. And I know digital events can be much broader than that. Uh, and actually, it brings you back to the first question you asked me around Martechopia. As I said, one of the great things was just to be back with humans. It, you and I recording this right now is done remotely. And it's brilliant that technology now enables that more than it did just a few years ago. But there's no substitute for building relationships, particularly with prospects in, in person. Now, I think you can have a healthy mix. And I think, therefore, if you've got the spectrum of traditional events and we were shoved all the way to the other end of digital events, I think rather than digital events ending, I think we'll find a natural equilibrium of, of balance that you'll have, whether it's hybrid events or you'll just have a blend of digital only traditional only events that you know the toolkit for events marketeers is open to back up again rather than webinars or or bust yeah and it's probably fair to say I, I, well i would imagine anyway that marketers um marketers knowledge of how to run a successful digital event has gone up tenfold in the past two years purely because they've just had to they've had to do so many and there's been so much learning in such a short space of time would you say that's a, a fair assessment yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think you've got, again, the technology advancement. So platforms like Zoom, uh, and not just Zoom, but Zoom particularly as an example, so much more commonplace for people to use it. You know, 
people not knowing how to get on. <laughs> there still are people stuck on mute, right? But there are people that were running these events for themselves that are so much more comfortable with the technology and the technology improved. So the advancements of, of Zoom and other platforms and other platforms that have come onto the market. You're absolutely right. Perhaps it's dropped back because people are just more comfortable and, and have turned their priorities to things they don't know as well. Um, I think that plus, as I said, that we're just tired of webinars. We've got fatigue from digital events. So we're more comfortable with them, but we've just done too many of them as, as recipients of it. I mean, there's that natural drop back. Yeah, of course. And I think um, one of the most interesting takeaways from the trend tracker this year, um, it's not a particular trend. You know, it's not that, oh, ABM is here or, or CX is here. It's that there was a decrease in the number of participants who selected the option very highly focused for every single trend we put forward, apart from the, the new trends we entered, of, of course. So why do you think that is? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I've been reflecting on this because when you showed me the report a, a while back, it was clear that we're kind of stuck in that that middle um, middle area. I think there's possibly two thoughts for me. One is that we've again back to that conversation around digital events. So that that high tide of pressure to have to focus on just a finite set of tasks is dropping back. So the toolkit's growing again. That we've got the ability, or indeed the necessity, to spread ourselves. So perhaps it's difficult to be highly focused on something when you've got so many plates to spin. Um, and I think there's also, again, and it's a bit of a dull answer, right? Everyone's sick of the pandemic. So forget the pandemic, but the last two years have disrupted and changed things that perhaps we just don't know where we should back. Uh, and, and therefore, it's not clear what is the, the silver bullet, the, the opportunity for us to really nail it in our particular industry, in our particular market. And so we have to spread bet. We have to consider different skills to just keep all in play until perhaps a few front runners become clear to us. Yeah. And I, I was going to say as well, do you think that that's it's almost um, is it a good thing or a bad thing, basically? Because on the one hand, it looks quite bad. You know, pe fewer people focused on everything. It doesn't doesn't sound like a great thing. But if that ultimately means that people are putting a, a you know, deserved amount of focus on all aspects of things like customer success and and ABM and digital events, hybrid events, so on. Do you think that's actually a good thing in a, in a strange sort of way? Yeah, no, I, I think it is because I think it means you can be adaptive. As I said, if you've backed, you know, the horse that wins the race today may not win it tomorrow. So if you have gone heavy into something, digital events, right, as we've said, forced into that, and then the opportunity to do other things is around and you're not aware or skilled up, resourced up, budgeted up for that, then you're going to miss it. So yeah, it, it, I don't see it as a negative. I think it's a very pragmatic thing to have all of those um, options in play. Uh, and I think also it means that it forces a broader and more balanced mix of marketing as well. So you know, we all know that multi-channel, multi-discipline marketing is important in B2B because they ain't going to answer the door first knock. You know, our consumer friends that might sell something that's of a complexity and price point that you might need to send one post or one email or one advert and they'll buy doesn't really exist in B2B or in, in at least a large sway of the market. So therefore, you need multiple knocks at the door to get them to eventually answer. And, you know, often clients I've worked in and work with now, months, possibly even years of sales cycle. So I think, again, that's the other consideration is if you've got multiple tools in your kit, you've got multiple different ways to try and manoeuvre them along or find 
that answer that does get that door at least the foot in the door, David, right? You're not going to just open the door and they'll go, yeah, I'll flip my credit card and I'll buy everything from you. Even when the door's open, you still need to nurture that relationship. Yeah. Although it would be nice if it worked that way, to be fair. Wouldn't it just? Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on then, I want to talk about ABM for a little bit. Um, the trends are... Of course you do. It's a B2B yeah. podcast. <laughs> I know, exactly. I, we, we couldn't get away from it. It was coming at some point. Um, we combine the trends. So we, I've explained that terribly. We, we survey both agency side and client side marketers. And we show those findings, you know, agency alone and client side alone. But broadly speaking, it's kind of similar with a few changes. Um, but one thing that did sort of stand out is that ABM ranked fifth amongst clients. And that was compared to 10th the year before. So effectively doubled in importance amongst clients. Um, but it finished seventh amongst, amongst agencies this year compared to sixth the year before. So it's very slightly fallen down the rankings a bit. Um, and basically what that says is that ABM seems to be growing in popularity amongst clients at quite a quite a good rate as well, um, but decreasing amongst agencies. So why do you think this is and do you expect this trend to continue? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, my instinct is because ABM's been around and, and my kind of slight aside, it's a B2B marketing conversation. ABM's got to come up at some point. Um, it, I think there's a lot more understanding of the discipline. Um, you typically find that an agency, and this is in very broad terms, an agency will be ahead of a client organization when it comes to picking up a trend. And, and that's their, their their desire and need to, because if a client comes asking, you need to understand it. Um, so perhaps in simple terms, there are now more experienced, more client side marketeers with ABM under their belt. And therefore, the need for an agency to, to supply that intelligence and that expertise perhaps is diminishing a bit. I certainly think that there are now more um, heads of or, or people with functional responsibility for ABM programs in client side than ever before. Whereas, you know, two, three, four years ago, maybe even one year ago, you'd have had people that, well, I look after ABM and I look after other programs as well. So I think you may be just seeing a maturity of ABM in the client side that, that lessens the need for an agency to supply and support and therefore they'll move on to the next thing that will be the equivalent that a client will need to know about in the coming coming years. Yeah, that's a, that's a really fair point. And do, do you think that ABM as a discipline um, is kind of gradually, I don't want to say disappearing, because I think the skill is obviously still very important and, and the, the principles of ABM are still important, but do you think the term ABM is kind of at the beginning of a, of a slow phasing out and towards just good marketing yeah i hope so i'm, I'm not going to be popular on this one but you know I, I i struggle i have to believe it or not david in my actual real life have to talk to people that aren't in marketing and i have to defend what i do for a living that coloring in piece and and you know if, if something like abm which to me just feel has always felt like just targeted marketing relevant targeted marketing in simple terms um, and I, I utterly appreciate there's a there's a framework and a science and a, and a rigor to it. But to your point, and, and I'm old enough, certainly I started my marketing career in the late 90s, um, where there was a pre predisposition to put an E in front of everything you did. So e-commerce and e-conversation and email and e-marketing and so on and so forth. And And hey, it was the 90s. There were a lot of E's around, but eventually they were... <laughs> A lot of ease were dropped uh, in the 90s. The um, In the context of marketing, 
email and e-commerce have, have held good, but the rest of those E's have been dropped back and it's just marketing again. And I think digital is on a similar journey. So the idea of digital marketing being a different discipline has happily started on the journey of being just part of marketing and, and perhaps therefore ABM will as well, as you say. If if your if my hypothesis of the difference between client and agency side is there's just more people understanding ABM, then it doesn't need to be a separate function. It just becomes part of everyday marketing. Yeah, that's a really fair point. And uh, one thing um, you know you mentioned about digital marketing, I wonder there's been obviously a, a huge amount of evolution in in the discipline of marketing over the last let's say ten years, um, and I think a large part of that is because of the, the technological advances. But it doesn't feel like those advances are going to continue at that, that rate forever. You know, it feels like everyone being on their phones on the Internet was a, was a huge change. And maybe I'm just being really short sighted. It wouldn't be the first time um, I do wear glasses, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like that's going to happen again anytime soon. So do you think that the evolution of digital marketing is, is kind of in a, a steadying plateau phase? Um, man, this is one of those famous moments that in 20 years I say something now and, and somebody plays it back to me. You know, it's the, um, the equivalent. And I think it's an old wives tale, but the, the person in charge of the American Patents Office uh, resigned about three months before Thomas Edison supplied his first of thousands of patents. You know, what could there be left to possibly develop? <laughs> um, I, I think there is definitely a maturity in the understanding of digital in the marketing function. Um, so again, when I first started, and, and for actually for a long time, uh, up until recent years, and it still does happen, there's 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 decisions made by senior people in organisations, not necessarily marketing, that are completely uh, irrational, emotional, um, incorrect decisions. So let's go on to Facebook. Why? Because my 16 year old son's always on there, you know, or replace Facebook with any platform you like. And that's just an ignorance or a lack of understanding of it. So a bit like our ABM conversation, I think the average marketeer is more digitally literate. Why? Well, as a generation come through that since the what mid-90s grew up with the internet, they're more comfortable with the tools. So I think that certainly helps. But I think it would be folly to say that we're not going to see um, through Web 3.0. So, you know, what does that mean? That means things like crypto. Um Doug Kessler, back to Martech, hope you did a brilliant keynote on NFTs, non-function, fungible tokens, and whether they have a place in B2B, you know, question mark, discuss. The metaverse and that perhaps evolution of the internet to being a completely different a completely different medium for us to harness, I don't think means the need to understand it will change, but I think perhaps the appetite and the just appreciation of what digital means is is more inherent in in a marketeer because it's more inherent in a human being brought onto this planet in the last twenty five years. Good answer, and I think you'll you'll be safe from any criticism in twenty <laughs> years time. Um, I don't want to be cancelled retrospectively. <laughs> it's going to happen to us all at some point. Um, so you mentioned there things like crypto and NFTs and, and things like that, and obviously these are some of those trends we, we expect uh -huh. to sort of become more prevalent over the next few years and so. Um, and obviously, you know, whenever we run the trend tracker, there's probably going to be a, a few things we, we might have missed out that people think are, are important. So is there anything for you that you think is missing from the trend tracker that you expect is going to be fairly high on marketers' agenda uh, this year? It's a good question. Um, I, I don't think obviously so. Um, I think it will, if anything, 
it, it's the it's the kind of interstitials it's the stuff between the pillars that i think is really important so for example because we continue to bring more and more technology uh, into the mix then you know the average marketing department has not only got to wrestle with arts and science but they've also got all these systems that aren't necessarily functioning together so i think that you know the glue amongst the systems and the glue amongst processes is really important. So that won't necessarily be bringing more or a new initiative. It will be about bringing together further the, the systems that you've got. But it's not enough to just tie, you know, your marketing automation and your CRM and your analytics tool together. That's really important. But you also need to tie your process up as well, is that actually people that interact through different departments are all, you know, on the same hymn sheet when it comes to harmonizing the message and the delivery of that message. So n- no, um, but that might just be because I'm not a very good futurologist that there's nothing clearly missing. But I think it it's important not to miss. And, and maybe that's the danger, David, is if we bring in even more, we're just going to miss the opportunity to make the most of what we've got. Um, and, and dare I say it, again, with technology, the average marketing function, in my experience, and, and certainly research I've seen, says on average, they use about half of what they pay for. So, you know, that's te- and that's back to that point of why we get such a hard press from the CFO and the people that look after the pounds, pence, dollars and cents is we're squanderous. Hold on a minute. You've spent that much and only half of it is being used. Come on, let's sort that out. So I hope in some ways there isn't too much new. It's let's consolidate and make the most of it. That is evolution and, and progress. But, uh, hey, we, you know, there's not going to be there's always room for another acronym, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, my final question for today, and then I'll I'll let you go. Um, What do you think are the the main lessons that marketers can take from this year's trend tracker? Um, I think that there's probably a return to old school, i.e. we've got more of a blend. So that digital transformation we've been forced through over the last couple of years. Uh, And I, I worked with a client who described this really really well and i'm sure a lot of organizations can relate to he said you know what six months of covid has meant 10 years of digital transformation in our organization and that's a big global b2b brand but you know i think any organization can relate so that fast pace of change i think you'll find a bit of a a balance the high tide will will come back that's good because it opens up more tools so traditional marketing and, and my background is digital but i love dm direct mail is a brilliant way of getting to people um traditional events as we've already talked about so i think that says okay good the 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 kind of the doors are back open again to do a lot more of what you're used to even if you don't use it all at least you know it's there available and i think that i really like the trend tracker i think it's a really helpful report from everybody to at least reassure that perhaps you're not missing the obvious and you know a marketeer might look at it and go okay those are slightly different to our priorities so if it is do we need to are we missing something perhaps perhaps not but equally if you look at it and go yeah that's about on track with where we are it's reassuring to a marketeer that others are focusing on the same things and probably others are in the same boat as well that the the challenges that the average marketing function finds in one industry will be the same challenges um in in another and and that's why actually if i go back and it's i can do it you can't but to plug something like b2b ignite and and london ignite in the summer that's why they're so brilliant because you can hear from other marketeers that are in exactly the same boat as you and they've how they've solved or not solved the problem that means that it pushes us all forward it's a it's a great community to you know to, to harness the wisdom of crowds from 
Steve, thank you very much. I think we'll leave it there. Um, and thank you to our audience as well for listening. Um, just, a, just a reminder that we'll have a link for the trend tracker in the description, um, as well as a link to Proplist, where you can learn all about, um, you know, uh, well, all the different hives within it, one of which Steve is an expert for. Um, and we'll also include links to Ignite. So that's all from us today. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.